It was at a summer camp when I was about 15 years old that God called me to do what I do. That's why I believe in camp. God's changed my life in a special way. I encourage uh, all our kids to go to camp. Uh, There is also family camp at Lakewood Park Bible Camp as well for families. If you want to check that out on the internet, you can go ahead and do that as well. This morning, I'm excited to get going in our summer series uh, that we do each year. The Bible, or not the Bible, statistics tell us, which is vastly different than what the Bible tells us, but statistics tell us that the American Christian church is growing more and more biblically illiterate uh, on a continual basis, Um, especially throughout generations, but uh, basically the general knowledge of the Word of God in our American churches is drastically plummeting. So each summer, we as a church have determined that we will do everything in our power to encourage our people that attend here at Wofford City Assembly of God to become more biblically literate. And we are walking through a book of the Bible every summer. We've done this for many, many summers. Usually we take a smaller New Testament book. We're running out of those. And so we're actually going to be jumping into a bigger book this summer. We're going to be actually be doing the book of Hebrews. uh, And we're going to be starting today. We go through it verse by verse. That means we don't get to skip around and choose the ones we like and forget about the ones we don't like. We go verse by verse, every single verse, through the book of Hebrews. We will probably only get to about chapter 7. Next summer, we'll pick up where we left off. So for the next two summers, we got it planned out. We're ready to go. We're going to walk through the book of Hebrews, uh, wanting to become more knowledgeable in the Word of God. But you have to understand something about this book. It's different than any other book that you read. You see, a normal book you read to finish. This book you read to change. There's a big difference. You see, one book you start at the beginning and you end up at the end, and once you've completed it, you put it on your shelf and you say, well, I've already read that. But the Bible is vastly different than that. The Bible, in fact, in the book of Hebrews, it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It cuts between the soul and the spirit, between joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us. It's like a mirror that we look into and we go, have I become more like Jesus? Am I growing in the things of God? And we look into the word of God and it's like a mirror that projects back to us the areas that we need to change. How many have ever gone through a large portion of your day and you had something like on your face or something like that? You know, you've gone through a large portion of your day and all of a sudden at the end of the day you walk in and you are absolutely going, oh, I can't believe I walked around like that. I can't believe I only shaved half of my face this morning. I don't know what I was thinking or something like that. But it's kind of like that. We walk through life and we don't look in the mirror And what we're saying is spiritually, God, I want to look at your word and I want to see the areas that I can become more like Jesus, the areas that I need to shave off, the areas that I need to clean up, the areas that I can continue to grow in the things of God. So that's what our desire is today. You know what, guys? I would ask for this series in in the book of Hebrews that you would find, and I'm not against electronics, okay? I want you to understand that. But I would love for you to bring a physical cover, or a physical, real, not real, a physical uh, book with you. 
Could you find your Bible, whether it be at home? There was a lady that came in and she was kind of chewing me out about our church. And, and she, uh, she was saying, you guys don't have pews and you don't even have Bibles in the seats. She was giving it to me pretty hard. And I didn't say this back because I wanted to be really respectful to her. But I said, of course, in my mind, I was thinking to myself, I said, I don't want Bibles in the seats. I want them in people's hands. I want them on their kitchen tables every morning so that they're opening them up and reading the Word of God, not just going through a ritualistic routine where once a week they would pull a Bible out from underneath a seat and begin to read the Word of God. We want this to be an active living part of your daily life every single day. Does that make sense? So... So I encourage you guys, as we walk through the series in Hebrews, you can use an electronic device, all of those kind of things, that's fine. But I would encourage you to, to bring a physical Bible to church, because we're just going to say, okay, how many brought a physical Bible to church this morning? Could you just raise it up? All right. Okay, so next week, you'll get to raise your Bible up, okay? So I encourage you to bring that. Why don't you take your Bibles or your electronic device this morning and flip with me to Hebrews chapter 1, starting at verse 1. As you're finding it, I want to give you a little background to what's going on that surrounds this book. We don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Most of the other books in the Bible are, are pretty clear on who wrote them. It's an interesting topic, and I don't have a lot of time to discuss who we believe wrote this. But Some people believe that Paul did write it, though it has a kind of differing style in some capacities. Some believe that there were um, different people that are listed in the Bible that wrote it but didn't give their name to it. Um, so we're not going to be concerned about who necessarily wrote it, but I want to talk about who it was written to. Because it's very important. The book of Hebrews was written to the persecuted Jewish church of the day. Right then, there was was great persecution that was breaking out amongst Jewish believers who had converted from Judaism to Christianity. And in that moment, there were many uh, many of those Jews who had converted to Christianity who were thinking because of the persecution, they were considering to going back to the old ways, going back to the Old Testament uh, rules and regulations, going back to the the pharmaceutical laws. So many of them were contemplating this, and next week we're going to talk about even more. This is really the introduction to the book of Hebrews here, but it's very important because what I want to ask you, and I'm not a doomsday preacher, but if we were in a, a country in which it was it was very difficult to come and gather together as a church, It was very difficult, in fact, that there may even be an opportunity for someone to walk in the doors with with a high-powered machine gun of some form and take everyone in this room to jail or do worse things to them. How many people would still make the greatest effort that they possibly could to be here to sit in the seat where you're sitting? You see, guys, what you have to understand is in places around the world, if we were in Dubai right now, there would be a huge uh, wire fence around our entire property where we would be able to gather together, but it would be danger upon your life to get from your home into this fence so that we could meet together. There would be people that would leave in the middle of the night to come to the compound so that no one would see them so that they could come and gather together without being persecuted. 
Guys, would some of you, because we said, you know what, because there's too much persecution and there's too many things going on, I'm asking you to leave your vehicles at home so that people won't know that we're meeting here together. And would you be willing to walk the distance from your home, walk the distance, maybe at night or something like that, to come and meet together as believers? Would you be willing to do something like that? You see, guys, what we don't understand sometimes is the great price that Christians have paid for generations so that we could sit in a room free here this morning. You see, the book of Hebrews is written to a group of believers that are very different than us. They were people that that if they were serving Jesus, it really was behind closed doors many times or under great amounts of persecution. And, and these believers were standing firm in the things that God had, had, had poured into their lives. These early Christians paid a powerful price to pass on the gospel to us. And the writer of Hebrews encourages them to continue despite the opposition. Don't give up. So that's what we're going to look at this morning in the book of Hebrews. Would you bow your heads with me and let's ask the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts through his word today. Lord, we just, um, we know, God, that anytime we open your word and we begin to sift through the scriptures, that, God, your voice is speaking right to our hearts. So this morning, I'm asking, Lord Jesus, that you would come and you would speak with authority, with clarity, with understanding, that, God, these would not be my words, but your words would permeate deep into our hearts, that we would receive the things that you would have for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. We will have our verses up on the screen due to many different translations. If you have a different translation this morning, that's great. We, we want to kind of study the Word of God. I study from probably about four different translations as I'm preparing for the messages. Uh, but just for simplicity's sake, we do use the New Living Translation. Um, it's it's uh, what our Oilfield Christian Fellowship Bibles are that we hand out here at the church. And, and it's just a really simple uh, but very accurate translation of the gospel. And so that's why we use that. Uh, New Living Translation, uh, but I'm not a translation guy, so you can use whatever you want there. Um, We're starting in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 1, and it reads this way. It says, long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. At many different times, this is what this verse is saying, at many different times, in many different ways, God used prophets to share what he wanted to say to us He used a lot of different ways. He used angels. He used signs and wonders. He used physical voices. Uh, Through his prophets, he spoke through his written word. And God has been continually communicating to his people through the living, active word of God. If you're willing to listen, if you're willing to open your ears and open your hearts to what he is saying, he's been communicating in many ways. Many times. And now it says in verse 2, and now in these final days he has spoken to us through his son. Speaking of Jesus. God promised everything to his son as an inheritance. And through the son he created the universe. So he has spoken to us through Jesus Christ. The Old Testament was given through the prophets. But in the gospel of John, in John chapter 1 verse 14 it said, The word became flesh and dwelled among us uh, in, in John chapter 1, verse 14. And in John chapter 1, it speaks of Jesus being the creator in the beginning. It also says that here in this verse. It says that he created the universe, Jesus, at the end. 
So we see that not only did Jesus create the universe, but the Bible says that he also inherited something in this verse. It says also in verse 2 that either, uh, that everything is promised to the Son as an inheritance. It is speaking of Jesus being the beginning and everything also as Jesus being the end. So Jesus not only created everything, but in the end he's going to inherit everything. In the book of Revelation, Jesus said, of himself, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus is the beginning and the end, and everything in company is seen in between. And we'll talk about that in this next verse, in verse 3. It says, the sun radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God, and he sustains everything. By, his, by the mighty power of his command, when he, has cle- when he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Now, this verse has a ton of stuff in it. It's just piled full. It says that the sun radiates. He radiates. It's like expressing through Christ's human flesh, God's glory was shining through. It was radiating through. The message version says, the sun perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. It's the outshining of God's glory is Jesus Christ. And Jesus expresses, it says, the very character of God. The NIV says, and you may have this in your Bible, he is the exact representation of God. He goes on to say that Jesus, this exact representation, sustains everything. So not only is Jesus the beginning and the end, but he sustains everything in between. Isn't that amazing? So Jesus sustains absolutely everything. So he's not only just the creator and the inheritor, but he sustains. Colossians 1.17 says, He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ's purpose, this verse says, tells us Christ's purpose. David, if you could flip back. It says that Christ's purpose was to go to the cross, to die on the cross, to cleanse us from our sins so that we wouldn't have to pay the penalty of our sin, but Jesus paid it for us. Not to simplify that fact, but there's something near that that's very, very important, and I would have skipped over it, and I'm sure I had all my life. But in studying, there was something that really popped out at me. It says, when he had cleansed us from our sins, and there's three words after that that are super important, he sat down. Now, you guys are like, come on, what's so big about that? Well, this this is really interesting. You see, as I was studying, I I came to find out that in the tabernacle and the temple in the Old Testament, there were no chairs for the priests. They ministered from the moment they walked in the door until at nighttime when they left. They continually gave sacrifices and offerings because Scripture tells us that the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. There was no place to sit down in the temple because their work was never completed. He sat down. It was done. It was completed. Jesus didn't have to die over and over and over and over and over again. 
But he sat down. What an incredible, I know it seems so very simple, but, but it's powerful. It's powerful in the fact that Jesus Christ's purpose was to come to die on the cross. And the last thing Jesus died on the cross said, it is finished. It's completed. It was done. It's powerful. Jesus sat down, but he didn't just sit down just to take a rest in the Davenport, the, the sofa. He didn't just sit down and go, oh, I'm so glad that was done. The Bible says that he sits in a special place of honor at the right hand of the Father, the place of authority, the place where he sits and, and, and his mission is fulfilled and he is in the place of honor and majesty and glory and power forever. That's our Jesus. You see, guys, this next verse explains something really clear here. In verse 4, it says that this shows, because of all of this stuff in verse 3, this shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. You see, a lot of the book of Hebrews is, is... is trying to explain to the people, the Jews that were trying to go back to the old traditions, they're saying, listen, don't go back to something that was smaller and weaker and and, and not as powerful. Jesus fulfilled this. He is better. He is greater. He is the one that we have been waiting for. He is the Messiah. Don't go back. And so it says here that that he gave the name far greater than any of the angels. Now, there are some things, you know, um, there are some some. People who believe, such as the the Jehovah's Witnesses, say that Jesus was Michael the archangel. Biblically, that's incorrect here. Uh, The the Mormons uh, believe that Jesus was the brother of Satan, that he was in equality with Satan. That is not true here. Okay, Jesus is part of the Trinity, and we'll talk more about that. The triune God, uh, the Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the three in one. And we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But Jesus is not an angel. Okay? Jesus is not an angel. He is not a created being. He is greater. And, and the writer here of Hebrews is trying to explain that to these people. He's trying to explain the fact that Jesus is greater than, than all of these things that, 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 that people were trying to kind of push him down to. He was the creator of the universe. He's the sta- sustainer of the universe. He is ultimately the inheritance or the finisher of all of these things. Verse 5, it says, For God never said to an angel what he said to Jesus, You are my son. Today I have become your father. God also said, I will be his father and he will be my son. Today I revealed you as my son. God didn't say that to the angels. Hey, he did to Jesus Christ. Jesus is part of the Trinity, the three in one. Many people think that the Trinity only shows up in the New Testament. That's not true. In fact, if you look in the book of Genesis, one of the first accounts where it's explaining about creating man, there were some individuals who were talking to each other in that moment. God did didn't say, I'm going to make man in my image. If you look, it says that, let us make him in our image. Who's God talking to? He's talking to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The three in one, the Trinity, are interacting between one another, saying, listen, let's make man in our image. Isn't that powerful? So we see Jesus here is, is part of the Trinity. Uh, in, in verse 6, it goes on to say this. And when he had brought his supreme son into the world, God said, let all of God's angels worship him. 
The Bible says that he was placed in a place of honor. He was not a creative being. He was not just a step up from the angels, but he was a supreme ruler, and the angels worshipped him. Verse 7, regarding the angels, he said, he sends his angels like winds, his servants like flames of fire. Angels are real, guys. The Bible explains it to us here. Uh, The angels are beings ordered by God to send messengers or to be servants to do God's bidding. But Jesus wasn't sent to do that. He was sent as the one and only son to die on the cross. Verse 8. But to the son, he says, your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You are the one who rules and reigns. You are the king of kings, lord of lords. Uh, Your throne, Jesus, is eternal. Jesus rules with a scepter of justice forever. Guys, no matter how desperate and evil and wicked the world becomes, I am so glad that I don't have to worry about an electoral problem process of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He is already seated in majesty on the throne. Listen, the last election that we had, praise God, you can give God a clap offering this morning. That's good. This last election, I remember uh, we were, it was kind of up in the air. Nobody was knowing who was going to get voted in for president. And I remember I put on Facebook, I said, you know what, I don't know who's going to be president, but I'm sure glad I know who's king. You know, God is in control, and it says that right here. Your justice, or uh, God has anointed you. We're in verse 9. We're going to jump there and just say, it says, Your throne, O God, endures forever. Endures forever. Verse 9. You love justice and you hate evil. Therefore, O God, your God has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. Isn't that amazing? The oil of joy here it talks about. Jesus was anointed. What an anointing meant in the Old Testament was a showing of authority or kingship, but he wasn't anointed with regular oil. He was anointed with a special kind of oil, the oil of joy or the oil of gladness. You know, many people experience two things when they surrender their life to Jesus Christ. The first feeling is the weight of sin lifting off of their shoulders. The second one is pure, unexplained joy welling up deep within inside of their heart. Just last Sunday, a young man came up. He said, Pastor Sheldon, destruction and misery has been following me all of my life. He said, I need to surrender my life to Jesus today. Prayed for him. He said, the first thing he said, he said, it feels like a weight is lifted off of my shoulders. And a big smile came across his face. Listen, guys. Jesus has been anointed with the oil of joy. What an incredible thing that that when we have Jesus in our heart, that that joy is not about situations or circumstances. When our heart is heavy and it's unexplainable and there are difficulties that we're dealing with in our life, we can still have joy. We can still experience a deep understanding that God's got this. It's going to be okay. We're going to be all right. The oil of joy inside of our hearts and in our lives. Peter, preaching on the day of Pentecost, said in Acts chapter 2, verse 27, he said, For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave, speaking of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then he went on to say, You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. 
Jesus is anointed with the oil of joy and gladness. Let's take verses 10, 11, and 12 together this morning. It says, He also says to the Son, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you will remain forever. They will wear out like an old clothing. You will fold them up like a cloth and discard them like old clothing. But you are always the same. You will live forever. This is a powerful portion of Scripture here too. Talking of Jesus, it says, Jesus, you laid the foundations of the world. You made the heavens with your hands. But these heavens and earth will not last forever. They're not eternal. They will wear out, it says, and they will be folded up and discarded like a piece of garbage in the trash. I know in our, in our finite minds it's hard for us to understand that. We sit and we marvel at the handiwork of God. We look at the stars in absolute awe and wonder. We look at, at thousand-year-old breathtaking scenery and we go, that is absolutely amazing. We sit there and think about trees that have been planted by a former generation and we look at them in awe and with wonder. And, and in the short time span of our lives, we are amazed by the things of earth, but in comparison to Jesus Christ, they are radically insignificant. Many people believe in the Big Bang Theory. The Bible says that they're wrong. Well, they might be right about the Big Bang, they just got it in the wrong place. In fact, Jesus the creator of the universe, who knows every star's name. He watches over even if one sparrow falls to the ground. The Bible says that he knows the exact number of hairs upon each person's head sitting in this room, though some may be getting less quicker. He still keeps track. The one that formed the mountains with his hands and drug his finger just 15 miles from our door right here for our amazement and wonder. The Badlands of North Dakota. He handcrafted each person in this room in their mother's womb. He created you with your giftings, your personality, your facial features. Sometimes we just go, Lord, why? But that's what God did. He made every person unique, even twins in this world, that we look and marvel at how incredibly close they are, are radically different. Created by God, the Bible says, in their mother's womb. But remember that Jesus is not just the beginning of this lifetime. He didn't just create us and abandon us and go off into a cosmic vacation of some kind. He is not only the beginning, but the Bible says he is the sustainer of life. That means that every heartbeat that you feel, if you were to take your pulse right now, he's saying now, 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 now. Now, sustaining your heartbeat. And at one moment, at some day, when your number's up, he'll stop saying now. And it'll quit. The sustainer of life. He causes your eyes to see the beautiful things that you see each day. The laugh that wells up inside of your heart. Sometimes when something funny happens, God created that to do that. Jesus holds all creation together, Colossians 1.17, we read earlier. But the Bible says 
that one day the foundations of the earth and the skies above will wear out and Jesus at that moment will stop, stop sustaining the world and he will take his hand off and the world will implode upon itself. We can read about it in Second Peter 3, 10 through 13, if you want to flip there. It'll be up on the screen here. It says, Second Peter 3, 10, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire, and the elements will melt away in flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth, he has promised. A world filled with God's righteousness. Listen, I believe in the Big Bang. I just think it's at the end and not at the beginning. Because it's right here. You know what? The cool thing is, guys, it's not something that we necessarily need to be afraid of. We're oh no, this world is going to blow up or disappear or burn up in fire, all of these kind of things. Listen, guys, regardless of what happens to this world, Jesus is the same. He lives forever. And at the end of the book of Revelation, you will see that Jesus begins in a creative process to begin to build a brand new heaven and a brand new earth for all of his people to be an absolute glory and wonderment with him for eternity. So let's tie up chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And God never said to any of the angels, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. Once again, the writer of Hebrews is talking and trying to clearly define that Jesus is not an angel. He's different. He's God. And he sits in the place of honor. His enemies have become his footstool. This is actually speaking of a warrior that would place his foot on the neck of an enemy that had fallen that he made, him his, made the enemies, all of the enemies of the world, his footstool. And it says angels are just servants. They're sent to care for people who will inherit the kingdom of God. This is the portion of Scripture where we get the idea of uh, guardian angels that are around us. They're sent to minister, to help, uh, and, and all of uh, the different things that God wants them to do. Angels are real, and God uses them. But they say, the writer here says, listen, Jesus is not an angel. He's not an angel. He's God. So, how do we apply this to our life? I know we've covered a lot of ground here this morning. So the writer of Hebrews here is trying to solidify in our minds and in our hearts, as well as the people that he's writing to, that Jesus is truly God. He is truly all power and all authority He radiates God's glory. He is the exact representation of the character of God in human flesh. He is the only one able to cleanse us from our sins. He is the creator of the universe, and he does not change. Later on in the book of Hebrews, in verse 13, or chapter 13, excuse me, verse 8, 
It says, when he, Jesus said this of himself, or it said, the writer wrote of Jesus here in Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means Jesus is the creator. Jesus is the sustainer. Jesus is the inheritor of everything to come. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So here's the question we have for you this morning, is this. If this is the Jesus that we serve today, if he truly is all that we just made him out to be, if he is the creator of the universe, and the Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, my question for you this morning is this. If Jesus was tugging at your heart right now, would you surrender your life to him? Would you surrender your life to a powerful and amazing God like that who in love and mercy came down to this earth to die on the cross for your sin? Would you be willing to turn your life over to a God like that? Would you be willing to finally just say in your heart of hearts, say, okay, God, I understand who you are. I understand what you came to do for me. And God, I want to surrender my life fully and wholly to you. You see, guys, salvation is not about a prayer. It's about a life commitment. It's about surrendering our life to the King of kings and Lord of lords, about making him the leader of our life and us no longer. So guys, this morning, I just want us to to bow our heads this morning as we're tying up. And I want you to ask in your own heart, have I really surrendered my life completely and wholly to God? Have I determined that I said, God, I, I, I want to serve you. I want to love you. And you know what? The Bible says that no one comes to the Father unless he's drawn. I think that God's drawing people this morning. You know what? I'm not even going to have a response this morning. I'm not going to have you come up to the front. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I'm not going to have any of that happen. What I want to happen right now is this is between you and God. In your heart of hearts, if God is tugging on your heart today and he's saying, listen, look who I am through my word. Look at who I am. Look at my power and majesty. But look at how much I love you. Look at who I am. And he tugs on your heart and he says, will you surrender your life to me? Would you be willing to make me Lord and Savior of your life today? If that's your desire, I would just say to call out to him. Call out to God the quietness of your own heart right now. Just say, God, you know what? I've made a mess of it myself. I'm feeling drawn towards you today. Would you come into my life and begin to guide me? Then you begin to take God's word and you begin to study it and read it and look into the mirror of God's word and say, God, would you begin to teach me? Would you begin to make me more like you? And about a building relationship with Jesus Christ. This morning I want to pray that God would continue what he started in your life. I know that many of you have heard all of the things that we talked about today before, but it's good to be reminded of how great and awesome a God we serve. Would you pray with me today? Lord Jesus, we come before you in this moment understanding clearly that you desire to have a relationship with each one of us in this room. God, we are absolutely amazed at that fact. 
that how a God with such great authority and might and power and majesty would choose to love us, would choose to want to have a relationship with us. But your word says that you do. And God, we thank you for that. God, I pray for each of my friends that are feeling drawn to you today, God. I pray that you would surround them in this moment, that God, they would have the ability to surrender their life completely to you, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that you would bring transformation, healing, restoration, all of the things needed, Lord, in this room. God, I pray that you would help us to apply your word to our hearts, that we could become more and more like you, that we as well could radiate your character, your love, and your goodness to those around us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you guys. Hey, remember we got a great VBS coming up tonight. I could use some help of some, some strong guys. We're going to move quite a few chairs out of this room. So if you have a few minutes after church today, we'd love to have your help. And uh, why don't you come over here and meet with someone other than me, and they'll tell you what to do. All right. Lord bless you guys.